This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rant cast and Ask Bros OG. A victory. A victory for the little guy. A David and Goliath-esque battle where puny Arsenal, the downtrodden, the, 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 the small club that we are came up, Toby, against the might, the Goliath, that is West Bromwich Albion. And we, much like Gandalf did as he fought the Balrog falling down the tunnels of Mount Doom, we smote our enemy upon the ruins. I don't know if um, if our enemy was as powerful and um, and difficult to take down as um, as the Balrog. Yep. In all seriousness, but it, it was fun. It was certainly fun. I think I was being uh, facetious about the size of the enemy and the size of the victory, Toby. I was, I, I, see. I was expecting a bit more back from you as far as the joke. To be honest, mm. I was expecting a bit more of of uh, the Lord of the Rings love back off you from you know the smoting of the ruins and the falling down the tunnels of Mount Doom. Um, but, you know, I didn't get what I wanted. You kind of missed the joke. But we will move forward, Toby. Um, 4 nil to the Arsenal. Was it 5 nil in the end? Was it 4-0 or 5-0 in the end? 4 nil. 4-0 to the yeah. Arsenal in the end, yeah. Toby. Three wins in a row, uh, six points off top four. Um, I'm not going to get carried away in, in, in to, you know, to the same ridiculous degrees as what the internet gets carried away with because we've been here before and we know that there are ebbs and flows in the Premier League. We've seen that with teams like uh, Tottenham, you know, falling down the pecking order. We've seen Man City's kind of fall up and down. But no doubt, Toby, three wins in a row to, to coin another uh, Lord of the Rings phrase. Uh, how do you know which way is the way out of Mount Doom? The air smells less foul up here. Uh, and it definitely does smell less foul where we're sitting at the moment. So we, you might be able to tell listeners, I watched Lord of the Rings recently, so there may be a lot of references. Um, but the air do- does definitely smell less foul up here, does it not, Toby? Certainly. Certainly smells less less foul. Um, and, you know, it, it certainly is a nice place to be. And... I don't want to get too I told you so, but it's certainly nice that some of the detractors, um, and we're not saying we're out of the woods yet. We're not all the way out of Mount Doom. You can still hear the drums in the deep. Drums, um, drums in the deep. <laughs> but, it, you know, we're, we've got these new shoots of life that are starting to appear, and, and really those new shoots are the younger players from the youth system that are coming out and and really um, not filling in the gaps, but they're like the last pieces of the puzzle of everything that we were trying to do in order for our ball progression in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that we've kind of sorted out the way we defend. Um, and I think we're starting to see the way Arteta was set up and the way our, our midfield pair in particular are set up that – it's all about containment and doing a job. And then the creativity is down to the, those front three and now a front four, which is really starting to um, to um, show what we were looking for in the first place. It's a fucking nice place to be. And one of the, the most beautiful things as an Arsenal fan is, uh, and let's not get carried away, but fuck it, let's enjoy it while we have it, is um, <laughs> we, we actually have future. That one's from Tezza. Uh, Te- Tezza from the clock ends just put up, put on a shirt. I assume he's referring to your mat of of chest hair, Toby, that is out for everyone to see. But you know what, Tezza? Toby's on holiday. He'll do what he wants. Fuck yeah. Anyway, and listening to Tezza, I reckon he does what the fuck he wants all the time anyway. So Tez, Tez, Tez so, does do what Tez wants. So Tez... <laughs> Respect this shit. I'm on holiday. I've come straight out of the fucking swimming pool with my five-year-old. The blow-up swimming pool. We were throwing football headers into um, diving headers into the swimming pool, practicing um, practicing our skills for the future. Um, 
so back to my point before my uh, heinous insult that was uh, thrown my way. Isn't it a nice place to be for a club that has backed youth and we can actually see a bit of a future? Young manager, young squad, we haven't done it buying the superstars as such. We're starting to see certain players be moved out of the club. You know, I think it's a really important idea to stick with um, with our manager because if we went the other way around, we would be back to where we were, you know, in the last few weeks. And I think, Toby, we will. I think we will sort of cover that off as we as we move through as we move through um, the show today. Look, Toby, one of the things I found quite interesting was that what you brought up in the first minutes of this podcast seems to be what everyone has brought up, right? Which is that these young players are amazing. And I'm not detracting from that at all. Uh, I think that they have been really, really, really good. But one of the things that I've found more interesting has been the three players or three of the players who were very, very much getting called out, very much getting called out by the fan base, and three players who are part of our senior squad who have all stood up and all started to play much, much better in the last couple of weeks. So the much maligned Alexander Lacazette, the much disgraced Granite Jacker, and the almost written off Hector Bayering. You know, those are three players for me who in the last three weeks may not have been man of the match in every week, but in one of those games, Hector Bayerin was pretty much man of the match. We've had a Granite Jacker man of the match performance in there, and we've had an Alexander Lacazette man of the match performance in there. And I think that's where it starts coming down to balance and the ideas of balance. And I think that's where whether this has been Mikel Arteta's hand has been forced or whether this has been that he was in last chance saloon or he, he got to a point where he no longer felt the need to continue to massage the the mentalities of the senior squad players. But it does feel like both the youth not being thrown out there just in a team of youth to fall on their own sword and the mature squad not just being thrown out there with a team of guys without running have both, in a way, benefited from each other in this last couple of weeks with the introduction of some mature players and some good, young, hard running. Yeah, very much so. I mean, whether it's it's a really interesting point because I, I felt like um, in terms of squad unity, which we don't always consider, the the management of the uh, psyche within the squad would kind of mean you've got to tickle the balls of the most senior players enough to keep them in tune and to get them performing to an extent. However, the way the Premier League is these days, and maybe always was to an extent, is the desire and the hard running and the closing down of the space defensively and also the sprint speed in attacking opportunities as well. So what you've got now is this lovely balance between, I guess, zonally aware players, um, players with the drive and desire to move the ball forward quickly and at pace or dribble past players or in, um, I know we'll we'll speak about him later, but like in Smith Rowe's case, his... Everything that he does is quick. Everything he does is with purpose. Everything he does is kind of, I wouldn't say without fear, because, I, you know, I, I never think there's no fear when you get to this level. But everything without he does... Scar, without scar tissue. He's yeah. not afraid to make the pass. He's not afraid to lose the ball because he doesn't have the scar tissue yep. of this season and of the Emery period. Yep. where I think when people tried to be progressive and they lost the ball, I think Pepe suffered from that really badly. The scar tissue of, of being beaten down for for losing the ball, for having air swings, things like that. And I think that's what you get from youth, Toby. I think you get people mm. who are able to come into the team, who are able to try, who don't have the failures on the board. It's a bit, I often talk to you about boxers, Toby. It's a bit like boxers who have never been knocked out. Right, and they go through these long periods of time never being knocked out, and they genuinely believe that they can't be stopped. And then they get stopped, and they get stopped mm. again, and they get stopped again, and the aura around them starts to diminish. And I think that's where this, when you're folding in youth, and you and I spoke, 
it's weird. You and I spoke about this a couple of years ago. I think we were talking about Genduzi at the time in his peak period for with Unai Emery. Mm. And you and I were talking about how you have to kind of like keep the fire burning on young kids when they're burning. And once they start to drop off, that's when you pull them out of the squad mm. bench and you say, okay, I'm going to take the blowtorch off you now because we know you're going to have three games, four games where you're going to hit a period of form. And it's very, very rare that a player like Bakayo Saka comes along at his age and is consistent for long periods of time. We saw it with Jack Wilshere, came in extremely mm. young. We saw it with mm. Cesc Fabregas, came in extremely yeah. young. But how yeah. many players can you throw up over the last decade for Arsenal, for England in general across the Premier League, who have come in, had instant impacts, burned really, really bright, and then dissipated? And that's kind of the way I feel about kind of your ESRs and guys like that at the moment. I'm like, let's manage him. He's had a really, really good run. Let's manage him. I love he's getting pulled off after 65 minutes. Mm. He's not getting killed, you know, into the 80th minute, just running, 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 running. Mm. And, and, and and isn't that, isn't that saying something as well? Like the, the management of those players physically is really good, but it's also saying like we found the formula so let's rest these guys because these guys will be starting next time that we need them. So mm. and I, I love that. I love that. Here's a great question for you, Toby. And it's sure. a question that is going to divide the nation. Is it deliberate from Arteta? Is it accidental from Arteta? Or did he have no other fucking choice because he was on his last legs? Not what you would prefer it to be. Mm. What you that believe in. What I would prefer it to be, that it was all a master plan. What I think it was, was these guys are fucked and I'm going to get sacked. And his preference for, as a young manager, for the guys, the stalwart professionals to get the job done, which was his preference they were the ones that had him on the precipice of getting the ass when mm. he was the last person at the club that should get the ass because he's our he's our ticket out potentially mm. so i think i think it's really hard to point my finger or put my finger on even what i'm trying to say but the older guys that he trusts and that he signed i.e. your Williams, your Bamiangs, and your, your Lacazettes, uh, your Jackers to an extent, your Louises, the list goes on, became the ones that he needed to help succeed for their own mental, um, let's say, confidence that, that they were the players that they thought they were. And then he also probably felt that they were the ones with the level to get them out of this mess. But what it came to was a point where you've got this system, dare I say it, sort of built on that modern manager. So let's let's just say Pep for an example. I'm not just drawing conclusions for the sake of it, but where everyone on the pitch needs to run their fucking ass off and show application at every point. What was happening was these guys were doing their job, but I felt like they were doing it with fear. So they were taking the, the easy option. So they were getting their stats and not giving up possession, but we were doing nothing going forward. All so of that a sudden, was leading into what I was saying about scar tissue and those old old guys. They'd been through the, a lot of them had been through the end of the Wenger period and all of the disharmony. They'd been through the Unai Emery changeover and then all of the disharmony, the losses at Baku, the protesting about getting Wenger out, the protesting about not wanting to play under Emery. Yeah, well, Willian hadn't. Sorry, sorry. Willian, Willian removed removed from that. And, but those players have been through periods of time of scar tissue and periods of time of, I don't know, seeing in social media and seeing on the news, you know, their names come up and the failures of Arsenal – and then being part of the generation as well, that took Arsenal from a team that qualified for Europe every year to a team that was qualifying for Europa League to a team that just got through to Europa League by the skin of its teeth because of an FA Cup win to a team that was sitting in 15th. And the mental implications on those 
those more senior players must be massive compared to, I guess, when you're a young guy and you're being told none of this is on you, you didn't cause this, you've come through the academy, just go out and play football. There's a there's a, a freedom that seems to be happening with when you're playing some of these young kids that hadn't existed for a lot of our players. And that's why my point is interesting, I think, that I came back to about the fact that Granite Xhaka is playing better. He, he's definitely playing better. I think he's playing a huge amount better for not just footballing reasons as in the fact that he is playing necessarily much, much better football, but because defences aren't, we're not getting sat on top of, he's not running backwards towards his goal where he fucking sucks, which is the worst part of his game because the ball is being won higher up the pitch, the press is being done higher up the pitch. And this is the this is the question that is going to boggle Arsenal fans throughout the, this season, Toby. You know, it was Mikel Arteta who kept picking, you know, Willians, kept picking Lacazette's out of number 10s, started Aubameyang at centre forward for four, five games in a row, which all led to losses after saying on record that he wasn't a centre forward, he was a winger. You know, the guy that kept on picking Xhaka when no one wanted to pick Xhaka. And it's this really weird place we're in at the moment because it's almost like it's almost like the guy who tried to kill us. Do you know what it is? It's fucking Stockholm Syndrome, dude. It's like the guy who kidnapped our club and forced us into this position is now the guy that we're turning to to save us. And if he ends up doing this, and let's say we scrape uh, eighth, let's say we scrape a Europa League position because it's not beyond the realm's possibility. I don't want to get carried away, but it's not beyond the realm's possibility. If not he does great, the table's far more compressed. Than yeah, if he, if he does do this, you know, it's almost like Jekyll and the Hyde. You know, do you look at the first part of the season, which was picking an eleven that didn't work over and over and over and over and over again, which we've said before, well, the definition, the the definition of insanity. It He's worked doing the, the same. Season. I just thought I he, he thought those players could pull themselves out of it. At the end of the day, they couldn't. And Toby, can we just say this as well? Emil Smith Rowe had not been fully available until quite recently. Like he hadn't been coming back from a major injury, but he'd been coming back from a soft tissue injury. And when you look at it, he was worked back in through some minutes, through the cup team, and then eventually played once the opportunity came, which isn't out, out of the question, the way he's been used. Martinelli, uh, I, I don't think anyone could have expected that coming back from a layoff of that length, when we've seen Callum Chambers come back from long layoffs, we've seen Bayo Rin come back from long layoffs, you know, we've seen Walcott's come back from long layoffs and never be the same player with knee injuries. No one could have expected that, that Martinelli was going to come back and do what he did. And I guess in a really roundabout way that we've we've come to the conclusion of, Toby, can anyone really understand what has happened to Arsenal in 2020 as we run into 2021 with new Viagra pills in our now new-formed massive erections for our football club? The pieces were there. The pieces were there. The hard-working pieces were there. The Kieran were there. I know he didn't play, but your Gabrielles were there. You've got a lot of pieces of the puzzle where we had half the team playing extremely well and then we had another portion of the team grossly un underperforming. When you have movement pressing, running from deep, chaos all in front of a fairly sound defence. All of a sudden, all of those things we were trying to do start making sense. So, and and it, it's funny, the players in that previous system that did well, you know, there's starting to be a couple of players that don't look like they belong to our future. All of a sudden, and I know I don't want to. Who are you? Who are you talking about? Can you name these players, please? Pepe and Aubameyang would yep. be the two for for me that I would say don't really belong to this structure. You know, Aubameyang potentially, if we can find a way of feeding him in, where he can affect the game right at the end, 
right for that final ball. Okay, you know, well, let's, um, Toby, just before before you crack on, because we were going to get here anyway, so let's okay. uh, let's apply some structure to what we were doing because you and I will just ramble because we ramble. haven't spoken much about this game yet. Um, but let's talk about Obama Yang uh, because he was one of the key people that we wanted to speak about. We've spoken about the youth. We've spoken about the Saka, Gabriel Martinelli axis. Uh, we spoke about the running, the chaos, the pressing, and the desire to hunt down the ball, hunt down impacts. Uh, the decision was made to play Aubameyang. Lacazette's form of late, scoring his cracker in Europa, getting his goal in the Prem. I think he scored four and four or five and four or five and three, whatever it is. I'm not a stats man. Hashtag stats. Um, he obviously couldn't be overlooked at that centre-forward position. And Aubameyang at centre-forward, regardless of what anyone wants to say, has been an unmitigated fucking disaster. Aubameyang comes into the team in this game. For the first 15 minutes, looks like the pressure that has been applied to him from Gabriel Martinelli has made a difference. He comes on. He runs really, really hard for 15 minutes. Doesn't go for him. Doesn't drop for him. Dissipates energy levels drop, and he essentially becomes an additional piece waiting to be, I don't know, the icing on the cake, fairly mm. uncreative, by no means really bad in this game. But is it a massive problem, Toby, that we're looking at our club captain? Once Ozil fucks off, our highest wage earner, I think our oldest player on top of that now, Willian may be older, in fact, but... We'll see. One of our top two oldest players, and we're talking about a guy who at centre forward doesn't work well with the wingers that we've got because we don't have feeding wingers. We have wingers who want to give and go and go behind and get to the bylines and shoot. He doesn't mm. hold the ball up. He doesn't occupy centre backs. He doesn't play wall passes very well as in with his back to goal, give, go, turn and run the channel. And then when we do move him on to the left wing now, we've got an issue that perhaps a 19-year-old Gabriel Martinelli, even though he doesn't equate to Aubameyang in probably five of the 10 overall stats, absolutely shits on him for effort levels, attitude levels, pressing levels, and recovery levels. How much of a problem is this for a football club that's got this guy signed on three years can you put a guy on that much money on the bench and say, come on at 60 minutes and go rampant? I think you can. I think you can. Maybe we stop worrying about it because the, the ebbs and flows of football, we know that the quality is there. And if you've got the way we play a lopsided approach anyway and how good Tierney is overlapping on the left and the fluidity of certain players... You know, having someone like ESR that can pop up on the left and the right and in the centre, I reckon we can carry him, just like clubs have carried him before. You know, the 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 and the the thing that kind of throws the spanner in the works is all of a sudden Lacazette's popped into life. You know, which is um, linking everything that way. But I, I wouldn't write Ober off yet. I, I think he's he's a goal or two away from from finding his confidence and him being a valuable asset. And I don't think we're a big club anymore. I'm just going to say that. But big clubs don't worry about the name. You know, if you're a team man, then you come and come on and do the fucking job. So are you, you saying to. that if Aubameyang is good enough, regardless he's got the contract, right? Exactly. And if Aubameyang yep. is good enough and if he's pulling trees up, he's going to put Martinelli on the bench. And if exactly. Martinelli turns out to be the next Ronaldo, he's going to put Aubameyang on the bench. And whichever one of them happens, happens. 100%. And you just do it as a team. And a good team man will do whatever's best for the team. If and Martinelli's going to get injuries. Aubameyang's going to get injuries. There are cups. Saka yep. will get an injury. You yep. know, or the, the thing is, we are very quick in this day and age to write someone off. All right? Um, and the thing is a couple of weeks goes by or a couple of months goes by and they work through whatever issues they have or their balls get tickled or they get a bit of confidence because they've hit a worldie. 
And all of a sudden, these things fall into place. And, and players that we've said they're not going to make it, they're not this, they're not that, the, the value of the squad is beyond the value of the single player in, in hmm. my belief. But Toby, we've been through this throughout the Arsenal fan base. There is a, I, I don't know whether it's, obviously we're not in other fan bases, so it's not possible for us to make uh, objective kind of concepts of what happens within other football clubs. Because we watch the Arsenal, we talk to Arsenal fans. It is what it is. But the general notion in Arsenal fans always seems to be that it has to be an eleven. And that 11 has to be the 11. And once you've got that 11, it has to stay. And that's not modern football. There's so many games, so many competitions, so many injuries that just because Arteta has found a system that works, well, Saka could get an ACL tomorrow. Touch wood. Where's the wood? Touch wood. Right? Don't, but it, don't fucking say that, you motherfucker. That, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying it could fucking happen. Fucking. I'm saying it could happen, Toby. And then just as quickly as that, you're back into the same position. We saw it with Thomas Party. We saw Thomas Party finally come in against Manchester United, look like a great player. We go and get a win. The system changes around players in form. And if a certain player is in form and a certain player dips in form, I guess this is what makes a like a top manager, a top, top manager, is a top, top manager is able to be fluid, flexible, uh, pick systems and pick teams for certain games in certain mm. situations, be able to get players up, and he needs to utilise his entire squad. So, Toby, I'm really with you on the Aubameyang chat. Um, That's good. That's good. I, and I, I'm glad you are because I, I feel like um, I feel like it's a far more logical and 360 degree. Oh, look, Toby, if someone came in, if someone came in at the end of the year and said, I'll take Aubameyang on the wages and I'll give you 20 million quid for him, I'd do it. I'd do it because we'd be another year into that contract, another year down the line. And I do think, and I have said publicly on a number of different podcasts, and when everyone was saying, signed a ting, signed a ting, signed a ting, you, me, and Mike, and Manny all had quite a big conversation about the idea that, even though he was really, really good, was it the smartest move for a club that had to buy in different areas, had to build different people, had to do different things um, with its squad, with its money, with its resources? Um, but right now, I think you're right. If Martinelli is that good, uh, then theoretically he will park Aubameyang. And I tell you what, if Martinelli is good enough to long-term park Aubameyang on the bench then we've got a hundred million, hundred and ten million pound player there, you know, in the next fucking Ronaldo. Easy. Ugh, e easy. And, and that's the thing about very often. And that's the thing about managing that particular situation or squad is that it, it's actually not a bad thing that this has happened to Aubameyang because it will challenge him. And it could be really good for him or it could raise, it'll raise Martinelli's value, which we paid nothing for, which will negate some of the loss of Aubameyang. And if Aubameyang is still trying and his effort is such, you know, think, think about, all right, think about one of the most magnificent players of all time that came on for the last 20 minutes in a Champions League final and beat us. Do you know the player I'm talking about? Henrik Larsson. Exactly. So the the value of someone like that, and I'm not saying Aubameyang is at that stage yet. Where he's so Aubameyang have the, the ability to set aside his ego exactly. and become a guy who at his age demographic could come on with 30 minutes to go and smash cunts. And Can how, he be good would that, how good would that be? Can he be a Nwanko Kanu? Can he How be a Teddy Sheringham towards the end of Teddy Sheringham's career? Can he be a Oligana Sunshire? Can he Sunshire. be a Henrik Sunshire. Solshire. Solshire. <laughs> I never said Sunshire. You did. You're drunk. Well, I, I am. I'm a little I'm a little bit drunk. Toby, really interesting comment down the bottom here. And you listener, I haven't seen him before. So hello, Purpley. Purpley. Must be one of Mandy's friends from France. Um, <laughs> Emery split Lacquer and Obama playing time at centre forward. Why can't Arteta? 
I agree. And I think that's the thing. I, I think that there's going to be times when Oba may play up front. I think there's going to be times when Oba may play off the left. And I think you can say a similar thing about Gabby. Uh, Gabby, ultimately, people have said that they think that he's the centre forward at heart when he scored his first initial range of goals in the Europa League games, which got him his start in the Premier League after Oba got sent off. Was that Oba's red card when Martinelli came in and had the three games last year when Oba fucked that guy so. It was the send-off at Palace where he fucked. I think that's when, Max, I think that's where he when fucked Max Meyer. He chopped his ankle down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, per plea, I agree with you. It's it's more than possible. Toby, it brings into the next player that I want to talk to you about today. The much maligned Alexander Lacazette. Uh, played as a striker, playing too deep in the systems that he was playing in earlier on. Uh, changed into a number 10 position where the creativity wasn't there and I felt like he was getting the ball in the wrong areas. A guy who there's no way of mincing your words about it, a long time to be out of form. We're talking about pretty much a year across two seasons to be out of form. The last time we saw an Alexander Lacazette that looked good was in 2018 and he slowly started bubbling. And it does appear that in this particular system, and I thought he suffered a little bit for not having Martinelli outside him in this game. I thought he suffered a little bit for having Aubameyang outside him. But luckily, Emile Smith-Rowe and Saka almost doubled up in the channels left and right of him, allowed him to come deep, turn the ball around the corner, release the guys, and make his second finish is smashing. Is a really, really good finish. His first finish is is good as well. Alexander Lacazette. Toby, if money comes in for him at the end of the year, has he added a zero to what we're getting for him? And are you afraid that the next natural thing for Arsenal fans would be to offer him a big stupid contract and keep him here until he's 37? In the words of Abraham Simpson, if a strange man offers you a lift, I say take it. Um, Oh, the best part of that is, Homer, you're dumb as a mule and twice as ugly. If a strange man offers you a lift, I say take it. <laughs> so with, with Lacker, I am absolutely loving his performance. He has shown in patches in his Arsenal career that he can do it all. Do you remember when we used to liken him to Alan Shearer? Mm. You know, and, you know, maybe that was a bit far-fetched, but you know, in terms of his physique and the way he hit the ball and, and um, to an extent brought others into the game. But these little um, spurts are, are, are few and far between. And I, I feel like Lacazette, he, he gets off on being the main man and he's become the main man again because Aubameyang has dipped. The players around him have, um, have certainly helped. His performance in the last few games, but in this one in particular, was fucking magnificent. Like, we're talking an all-round game where he did all the dirty work, he dribbled, he linked up play, he closed down the space and nicked the ball back, he fired off shots, and he arrived in the box at the right time and he finished things. Mm. That was an all-round centre-forward display from a guy who isn't your quintessential centre forward in the modern context. If he plays his way in to any type of good money coming in, fucking sell him. Not that I don't love and respect what he's done. He's 29, yeah. I want to say he's 29. His inconsistency for us at this stage in our re-progression or our reawakening, whatever you want to call it, if we got an opportunity, you know, I don't think Atleti would be in for him. I, I, I don't think that would be enough of an upgrade for them. Um, but if there was good money for him, we would have to take it. And would, you, it would you agree? Toby, it doesn't really matter. He is 30 in... May. He's yeah. thirty. In, he's thirty in in less than five months. He's thirty, and he's twenty nine until then. He is twenty. Is twenty nine until then, Toby? But I'm just saying, you know, if a strange man offers you a lift, I say I take, take it. it. Yeah, right? 
Yeah. And, and I think that I think that has to be the mentality. Someone put up, I've forgotten who it was, a tweet saying there should be a thing at Arsenal that anyone over the age of 30 gets one-year extensions. And if you want to stay at the club, it's a one-year extension. I don't give a fuck if you get to, like 200 grand for your one-year extension. If you're good enough to earn the extension, you should get a one-year So extension. going back to what Wenger did, even with players like Burkamp. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then you're either dropping their money down and saying, if you still want to play football, you can still play, play football. If you're still good enough, you're good enough, but you stop the whole well, idea. Because, I, I, I mean, Manny, Manny said this recently, Toby. Manny said this recently. If they extend Lacker, he will be wanting, pushing up towards 180K. I think he's on about 150 now, so he's going to be wanting more money to stay, and you're going to be taking another guy into his post-30 football a guy who hasn't played good football for you for a year. When he, and, when he never really peaked in the first place as much as we wanted has, him to. has shown you that his, maybe his mental application in the modern scheme of the game definitely suffered a little bit. Here's an interesting concept for you, Toby. doesn't need to be a long-winded answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that Lacazette is playing really well because Aubameyang is playing terribly. And Lacazette, well, feels, and Lacazette feels like he's the man. Balls. Balls swelling and being tickled. I, I, I really think when he feels like he's a leader, he loves it. When he feels mm. like he's playing second fiddle, he, he either doesn't enjoy it or he loses his confidence. So, you know, 2018 Lacquer, I felt like 2018 yeah. Lacquer was that good. He was because carrying of because Aubameyang got pushed wide and Lacquer was like, I'm still the man, I'm still the centre forward. Yep. Ober got pushed wide. Lacquer was still scoring goals. Ober didn't like smash the ground running for us. Like he was quite good, but he didn't really hit the ground running. And then it was like Ober swelled bigger than him and they had this great partnership and then Ober got bigger than him and Lacquer was like, my balls have shrunk a little bit and now I'm, I'm, I feel like a little bitch. I'm going to be a little cunt for a year. And then his mm. mate Ober like, goes and sucks it. Let, like, let's face it, Aubameyang's form this season has been deplorable. Like, it, it's, it's fucking terrible. Even in this game, he was not good. He took on shots he shouldn't take on. He had an opportunity to drag a ball back to Lacazette, I think, for his yeah. Haddie, which no, no, he didn't. Sure. Yeah. He had an opportunity to square one yeah. to Willock, who was wide open, which he didn't. He goes outside the player and smashes it into the goalkeeper's chest and then yep. stared at the ground for like a minute afterwards. Make no bones about it, right? If Lacazette's form was in the toilet, Aubameyang's form is in the sewer. Because at least when Lacazette's form was in the toilet, he still had other metrics to his game that you could look towards and be like, oh, well, at least he's still occupying. At least he's still bashing and barging. With Aubameyang, it really is. He's either going to be scoring goals for you or he's not going to be doing a lot. He might as well be a cheerleader on the sidelines with a styrofoam finger saying, go Lacazette. Well, that was my question to you. If you dipped in form in terms of your end product, what would you do? What would in you do? Sense? You'd work harder, which is, exactly oh, what Lacazette, yeah. which is exactly what Lacazette has done. For this entire season, pretty much, he's sucked a dick but he's worked his whole off. And he's definitely been less we, petulant this year. Last year, though, he was a petulant little bitch. This yeah. year he worked his ass off. Last year when he lost form, he kicked stones, threw his gloves on the floor. Do you remember he was given the opportunity to captain the kids in Europe last year and he put in a real shit performance and got yeah. subbed and, like, walked off, like, 20 metres past Emery and threw his gloves on the floor. So I'm just saying let's not hero status someone against someone else because they have they have come to fruition. But no, no, no. And, 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 and this is my point, and let, let's draw a line under it. He is doing what he should have done in the first place because he was so bad previously. If this means that he plays himself into a contract or his motivation is a new contract, because let's not take that out of the yep. equation... Maybe he doesn't want to go back to Paris. Maybe he doesn't want to go back to France, Toby. Maybe he wants to go to Spain and he still thinks he's got something to offer. And he's not going to get picked up on those wages at a big club if he's not playing well. 100%. So we can't say that about Ober and not say that about Lacquer. 
So if he... I wonder if that is the case with Oba, Toby. I wonder if Oba has like almost like contract comfort syndrome to an extent. And it's maybe it wasn't deliberate. Maybe he didn't know it was there. But because he has the long contract, because he has the money, because he's going nowhere, maybe it has been harder for Oba to pull himself up by his own bootstraps when the team hasn't been doing well. And now he's at a point where the team is doing well. His form is smashed so badly down that he needs something to happen for him, the same thing that's happened for Lacquer. And it goes back to what you said. Mate, Oba could play in the next game, fucking lace one, absolutely lace one top and corner. he'll be fine. He'll and be he'll fine. be back. He'll be flying again. And that's why I think he was doing the selfish finishes because that's what he needs at the moment. You can always he, forgive him for that. We're already 3-4-0 yeah. up. I'd love to see the other guys get a goal, but he needs it. Do you know what it's like? It's like a guy coming out of a relationship. He's been in a relationship for ages and, like, he's never even experienced Tinder, right? Because he's been in a relationship for longer than what Tinder has existed. He just needs to slay it. And he's he's been going out and he's been trying all his old moves and his, his moves are dated, Toby. Women don't like it. Right, you can't go up to a girl in the club anymore and talk to her. You know, now you've got to do all this other stuff. And he's like saying to his friends, I haven't had a root in like six months. I don't know what's wrong. I know I'm still good looking. And they say, Look, we've just got to get one. It doesn't matter what it is. And they get him out to the nightclub and he just goes and finds the most like munted six out of ten with big sloppy tits he can and just goes and fucking destroys it. And it's all he needs to just remember that he can do it. And you wonder why the algorithms work against us. <laughs> Tez from the clock end was worried because uh, clock end talks been pulled off, uh, pulled off Twitter guys. So if you follow clock end talk, they're on Twitch. Now they've had an issue with Twitter. Twitter's pulled them for some reason. They can't work out why they pulled them. Tez doesn't know whether it's about viewing time or about copyright. He thought it might've been about swearing, but I said to him, if it's about swearing and saying horrible shit, ask bros would have been banned fucking years ago and um, well, so guys, if, you are, if you are on twitch anyway. hold on toby if oh, you yeah. are on twitch guys clock and talk on twitch you'll find me and darren there every thursday and um, toby i'm going to avoid talking about bakayo saka because i think every podcast can talk about bakayo saka the kids i think the best player for his age demographic in the world he's playing out of his socks right now um him playing off the right I think has been a massive up for us because we have struggled to find someone to play off the right. Um, do you want to say a quick minute on him? Because I feel if we dig into him, it's just going to be boring. The boy's amazing. We all want to have sex with him and have all of his children, man children. I think the interesting point is playing off the right because that that has that has effectively made our balance. Mm. You've got Martinelli and Oba potentially who prefer that side that can do a good job. Um, all of a sudden, Lacazette is looking better because of partnerships. Um, Saka's relationship with um, with Bellerin seems to be very good. I don't think anything dropped when AMN came on. I thought that was that was very good as well. Slightly less progressive, but done in a different different way. Um, and I think the ESR thing works really well fundamentally. As well. So I, I don't think we do need to go back into the Saka love because this guy has been, you know, outside of Kieran Tierney, just the, the shining light in, in this squad. Um, but, you know, like I'll, I'll put it into a few words and we don't need to talk about it any further, like drive, desire, tenacity, um, dribbling from deep, dare I say a little bit of extra confidence in this game where he knew he was better or we knew we were better than the opposition. And there are a few yeah. little things that that were a little bit more arrogant in a good way, starting to come into the game as well as the hard work. You know, uh, this guy, if managed properly, is the real deal. And this this is exactly what we uh, we need. Um, so, Perpley, Pepe take notes, simple is better. Saka has better ball retention and decision-making. Um, agreed to an extent... I think they're different players, um, so they, it, it's, in a sense, comparing apples and oranges. Well, it's interesting, Toby, because the next part that we were going to go into is actually looking at how some of these players have been 
displaced, right? And Pepe was the first name that I actually wanted to talk about. So in Nicola Pepe, we spent 72 million. I think all of us can agree we probably overpaid 30 million pounds for him and we can thank Raul for yet another masterclass of pocketing money and leaving Arsenal with an overextended, under-delivering asset. Toby, I think one of the interesting things is that people talk about Saka as just being purely effort, saying he's an effort player, he's this, he's that. His football IQ compared to Pepe's football IQ is monstrous. I think their raw skill level, their raw talent level is actually quite equal. But I think that Saka's development level is much higher. And I would imagine that's because of the academies he's been coming through, the way he's come through, the way he's come into the first team, in the time he's come into the first team. And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that he is such a multifaceted player who has played lots and lots of positions. I think he's learned to adapt his game, when to play fast, when to play slow. Nicola Pepe, I think his value, market value right now is probably about 40 million, Toby. I would, at the end, I would for the rest of this season keep trying to play Pepe. I wouldn't be trying to play Willian because I don't think there's anything you can do with Willian. I think that you either have to get Pepe playing well enough to be that Saka or Pepe down the right, which then gives you Oba or Gabby down the left. But like we said about Laka, Toby, I think that if someone wants to come in for Pepe and give us £40 million for him at the end of the season, I think that might be a, a, a bit of a cut-and-run moment for us. Yeah, I, it, there, there's some logic to that. I mean, you can have multifaceted players that can play two or three positions and you've got third-choice players, and I would regard Reese Nelson and Willian in, in third-choice places that can, can play um, in multiple positions. But you're absolutely right. There, there is no point investing more of your time into a 32-, 33-year-old has-been rather than a you know, 24-year-old with a lot of potential unless you're saying, I don't want him. Now, in this game, and I don't think this is answering your question at all, but whatever, I'll do it anyway. The fact that Willian came on for Pepe, that... For Saka. Sorry, yeah, Willian came on for Saka instead of Pepe, for me, really said something about how Arteta feels about about him. And and that's, I that's thought, worry. I, so, I, I, I didn't worry that much about that because that comes back to what we're saying about squad rotation because Pepe came on for Saka in the last game and was fucking terrible. We lost all of our shape and all of our go forward when Pepe came on. So I yeah, wondered but, if that but, was... But Willian wasn't available. So no, I know that, Willian but I'm just saying, back. like, you've, you've yeah. got these two guys and I think that you're going to see them at different times and neither of them is yeah. performing... Yeah, particular. Let's get this yeah. clear, Toby. I think Pepe is the most pure goal scorer we have anywhere in the team, and I would include him in Aubameyang at full flight. You give me someone. You tell me you can have any player running onto a ball first time and striking it from the edge of the box in our team. Who do you want? Because for me, it's fucking Pepe all day long. I'd say Aubameyang, but Pepe outside of that. Pepe all day long for me. I, I think he's got a fucking cannon on him. My issue with Pepe is I don't think that he's suited to the Premier League, but this is the bigger issue because players can come and not be suited to the Premier League. Robert Pires wasn't suited to the Premier League. Uh, a lot of people tell me David Silva in his first six months with Manchester City looked really unsuited to the Premier League. People can amend and people can adapt. My issue is I'm not seeing adaptation from Pepe. I'm seeing the same raw Pepe that we got last season doing the same Pepe things. Mm. I'm not seeing Pepe come, and I'm still seeing Pepe fucking flat-track bully teams, and I'm still seeing Pepe being a structurally indisciplined piece in a team that where I think we have a manager who, what's the opposite of vilifies, who champions... He, he, he reveres. Reveres, 
who reveres players who can do the right things at the right times and both and sides apply, of the ball and both apply their the amazingness in the in the box and do yeah. the right things outside the box. Yeah. So Gabby, basically Gab Gabrielle and Saka. Basically, you've got over Pepe, I put them in a box and I put Martinelli and Saka in another box. Yeah. And it's the latter yeah. that who Arteta really fancies. Yeah, and I, I, and I think us as fans fancy. Humbo well. Gumble put here, uh, Clive, Par Clive Palmer, which is Clive from Arsenal Visual. Also, uh, Clive Palmer is an Australian politician who uh, doesn't like black people. So that's interesting. Um, I remember Clive Palmer referring to Pepe as a very young 24-year-old mentally. And I think that's true. Um, Humbo, we've covered this before. There were reports that uh, no one knows where he goes after training. He hasn't necessarily assimilated to a real group. Uh, he's been here for quite a long time. He speaks no English. So there are definitely things. And I think, Toby, this is in our roundabout way what we're coming to. Um, if you were looking at reinvestment, if you were looking at taking a small financial hit on Pepe, if money came in, there's another Australian laughing at my... <laughs> Dan laughing at my Clive Palmer comment, no doubt. But I think there's no doubt, Toby, for now most Arsenal fans I'm finding, they see the raw talent, they see what Pepe is all about, but I think that they believe that if the money was available and even if it was a loss, that cut and run might be the opportunity here. Mm. Yeah, well, I, 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 see, um, I see Pepe as a bit of a, a Riyad Mahrez in a way, is a little bit of a luxury player that could, um, that could, I would at the moment, mate. I really would. <laughs> um, the, that, that luxury player that can do the amazing, that's fairly low touch. I realise Mares has improved under Pepe, uh, under um, Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Yep. Um, Pepe's been on the phone to Mares. This is what you need to do, Mares. Yeah. <laughs> Pepe has improved under Pepe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Mares certainly improved under under Pep. But um, I, I think he's in that luxury type of category. And we have two of those players, potentially three. And we, we've we ousted the luxury players from our team, your Urzels, um, your Abamyangs a little bit at this stage. And I don't feel like we can carry... Bamiang and Pepe in the same team. And I'm sure you've said that on multiple occasions. Mm. Um, and the the balance between effort, drive, desire, tenacity, youth, and power, um, I think that's all the things I wanted to say, is really important. And, and, that, and that's what makes a player, and that's what makes a wide forward player in the modern context. Because if we think about who we compare two at the moment, we're, we're comparing players like your Manes and your Salas as your benchmarks. And I feel like your Sackers and your Martinelli's Toby, are even, closer. Even look at someone who, from an outside perspective, was championed by many people in Leroy Sane at Man City. And he couldn't get into the team on a regular basis because he didn't do the structural things that city required of him. You look and at someone like at the end of the day, got fucked off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You look at someone like Raheem Sterling. The player that went to City is not the player now. When you watch Raheem no. Sterling, he's not a soft, non-hardworking. You look at the David Silva. I, I mentioned David Silva all the time because I think David Silva is one of the most underrated players to have ever laced boots in the Premier League. Whenever I used to watch Man City, I would be in awe of David Silva for his size, well, his work rate. He, he's effectively the player of the last decade. So, you know, not coming... To, not to, pe people don't say it, though, Toby. People in the know say it. But I, I honestly think it's if you're a City player, you get overlooked now because I think that Cunaguero deserves to be in the, like in the, in the highest mentioned yeah. strikers of the Premier League era and no one talks about him. But anyway, yeah. we're talking about City players now. My point was... Even in that, you're looking at us having an Arteta who's come out of that Pep system. I'm saying, go look at a Leroy Sane. Go look at someone who, despite all of the talent and all of the raw ability, couldn't make it at City because he didn't do everything. He did the things that he wanted to do incredibly well. He did the pretty things well. He had the highlight reel. 
but he mm. didn't do the different things. I think Aubameyang is very much that player. Someone said to me a while ago, they're like, oh, I bet you Aubameyang would be really successful at City. And I was like, I bet you Aubameyang wouldn't fucking start at City because he's a lazy fucking cunt. Correct. Correct. Um, definitely. Definitely. Um, Toby, I wanted to talk to you because we could sit here and we could talk. Everyone, like, it was awesome. It was West Brom. We won. People had good games. Sabios was much better. Uh, Rob Holding, new contract. We don't have to talk about Rob Holding on here anymore. We've done it for the last few weeks and said we think he's a really good player. Obviously, Hector Bayerin, much improved. Kieran Tierney continued the greatest left back that the world has ever seen. But I didn't want to talk about those people anymore, Toby. I wanted to talk to you about some very, very possible loan moves. Uh, loan moves for players oh. who aren't getting games for the next oh. six months. So I don't want to talk about players coming in, Toby, because I always think it's a waste of time, right? We don't watch enough European football. We don't know half of these fucking people are. We're just watching highlight reels on Julian Brandt, and everyone's getting fucking erections and saying this person needs to play and that person, we need to buy him, we need to buy that. And I don't fucking know because I know Arsenal and that's what I do. Toby, a couple of players I want to throw at you for loan moves for the rest of the season. Sure. So there is talk that Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah, Joe Willock are all going out on loan, and there is talk that Danny Ceballos could be going back to Real. Do you want to run through those four players, let me know what you think, if it will happen, if it would be beneficial, if it's thread-bearing the squad, all things, go forth. If we let all four go, we're fucked. <laughs> is my first, is my first, my first thing. If we let and I one, don't think all four would go, Toby, but these if, are the four players that are in question. If we let um, a couple go, I think it could be good for, for them. I think um, unless Lacquer goes, I think Eddie could probably suit. Lacquer's not going in. Let's just preface, Lacquer's not going in January. Fine, fine. So if Eddie has – I'm an Eddie fan. I've said this week after week after week. Um for all those all those reasons, uh, desire, pressing, fox in the box ability, he just needs to build his body and his game. So he could certainly do with a loan move. Um, I championship think, or Europe for Eddie Toby? Germany or championship? I'm just going to say championship. So I he goes. The reason so, why so he hits the weights. That, that's the all. reason I would say championship is I think when you get moved over to Germany, it's to find out if you're technically proficient enough. If you get moved into the championship, it's to yeah. go and have the shit kicked out of you by yeah. ginormous men who aren't yeah. very good at football. Yeah. Uh, now, Joe Willock, I would say, could do well, but we need to bring someone else's cover for ESR if that was the case. So that that's fine if we bring in a fucking Uwar or whoever the fuck it is. Um, I wouldn't want someone coming in and usurping ESR at this point. I'd want someone to come and compete. But Willett could certainly do that. I don't have a problem with Willett coming on and finishing games because mm. he doesn't look as good, but fuck, he runs hard. So he's perfect when you're a goal or two up and you need someone to come on and just put in the tackles, close down the space, get in the box and have a couple of shots on goals. He doesn't always finish, but he, he's he's a handful. So yes to a loan, but only only if someone else comes in. Sabios, I would say, fuck no, for fuck's sake, keep him till the end of the season because we don't have enough central midfielders. So mm. even, even with El Nene and even with Party, all right, I got a feeling Xhaka has played his way back in now, particularly when the wide players and the forward players are doing more of a job. I think he kind of suits the system in a way. Um, but you'll have Party, Elneny, Ceballos and Xhaka, and I don't think with the amount of games we're playing, you can go in with any less than that. So... I don't think Sabios has done enough at this stage to earn a new contract, but I would definitely have him until the end of the season. Have I missed anyone else out in that? Reese Nelson is the other one that they're talking about. Uh, I think there's a Crystal Palace loan move on the cards at the moment. I think he'd do very well under Woy. Um, I think he's a better player than fucking Andros Townsend. Um I think Max Meyer plays out on the wing sometimes. I, I don't know who their who their other ones are. 
I certainly don't think he would walk straight into their squad. Uh, it's, it's bloody probably Zahar that plays out on the left, so he's not going to replace him. Mm, uh, I mean, he can play, he can play left, he can play left, right, ten. I know, you know, I know, but I, I would say that wouldn't be a bad move. But I'd rather have him in our squad than fucking William. So that that's 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 the the funny thing. But I'll he, give you, I'll give you, I'll give you my take on it. He could certainly do with the move. Yeah, I'll give you my take right. on it, Toby. So I'll go the opposite way to you. So Reese Nelson, I think, definitely needs a loan. I think he needs a loan because he now has Saka, Pepe, and William in front of him, and I don't think that it's going to do anything good for Nelson's development to sit behind. Those guys are also very worried about his like low impact soft tissue injury record, not high impact like pulling hamstrings and going down for 10 weeks, but a lot of small stuff, a lot of two weeks and three weeks and stuff like that. I quite like Reese Nelson, um, but I think a lone move for him to go and get regular footballing time is the only way we're going to see. Yeah. We're going to see whether he's good enough. Yeah. Joe Willock, tough one for me. Really tough one for me because if we're going to persist with a 10 now, which it looks like we are after everyone earlier on in the year doing countless podcasts saying the number 10 is dead, um, all eating our words now because we look so much better with a, a skillful, hardworking number 10, fuck off, Mesut Ozil lovers. Um, yep. I think that Joe Willock needs the loan. For Joe Willock to go on loan, I would like to see us bring someone in. So let's say we did bring in a, a an option, I, I would say then Joe Willock would definitely go out on loan and be quite good. Nelson, I would like to go out on loan to the Premiership. Joe Willock, I would like to go out on loan to the Champion. Oh, sorry, Joe Willock, I would like to go out on loan to Germany somewhere where he can go and be good and play with technical players because I don't think he lacks physicality i think he lacks a little bit of decision making that's a good point he yeah, yeah he yeah. lacks a little bit of technicality so if he went and took the same route that nelson took prior where he's going to go over and go and play in a team nelson went over there and played in 10 in germany will it go over there and play in 10 in germany i would like to see that but like i said for that to happen someone needs to come in danny sabayas i do not want to see leave the club i but i don't know if I would buy him at the end of the year. So it's yeah, about maybe do we, get, do we get some money back because we did pay for this loan? Do we need the money? What are we doing? And all of these things are going to be wrapped up in contracts and ideas and what players we've got coming in. Uh, Eddie Nicchetti, I've said for a long time, what I would do with Eddie is I would sign him up on a longer deal. I'd give him something like a two-year extension to throw him. I think he's got two years left on his contract. I'd throw him out to four years. And I'd give him the extension and say, we're going to put you out on loan. We're going to put you out on loan and see if you develop because there's something, Eddie's this weird thing, man. There's something there and it's not there. And I don't know whether it's ever going to be there, but I also don't think that he's necessarily, I, I don't think he would walk into any other Premier League side at the moment. Like, I don't know. I wonder if his position is dead, if that Jermaine Defoe role is dead, if he's a natural second striker. And if we're not going to be moving forward in a situation that, or in a formation that actually suits him, I don't know why we would keep him. And then there's this whole argument about Balogun, who as much as I've tried really hard not to get carried away with like the rest of the fan base, Balogun looks like the body shape and the type of player who if you played him maybe instead of Lacazette might be able to do a very, very similar role to Lacazette. He looks like he holds the ball up well. He looks like he likes a shot on the turn. He likes turning his wingers around on the outside and running into the box, whereas Eddie looks like he wants to occupy the centre-backs, run the channels inside and outside of them and open up the space for wingers and tens to run into. So do I think they all need loans? I kind of do think they all need loans because I think that Nelson, Eddie... Willock are going to struggle to get enough first-team football in an Arsenal squad that is trying to become an apex team again. But I'd love to see them all on good long-term Arsenal deals, the loan market used effectively the way Chelsea has used the loan market recently over the years. Ultimately, if they do go somewhere and they do well, we can get money for them. And don't forget, guys, the secondary purpose of youth. Youth isn't all about making the first team. But youth is about getting to your 100 games, your 60 games, your 50 Premier League games and going and getting the club £20 million, mm. going and, and, and delivering us some money for you. Uh, Tobes, 
I think we've covered off pretty well. We've done an hour. We try and keep the Ask Bros OGs to an hour. Uh, I'm expecting we've got Newcastle in the FA Cup next. I'm expecting to see like Aziz and Balogun. I think you'll see Pepe. I think you'll see William. I think you'll see Mustafis and Louises and. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I think we'll have to field a reasonably strong team because I think Newcastle will, and they're a Premiership outfit at the end of the day. Um, but you know, we we've got a week off for that. I think it'll right, be. A you've got to admit, Ma's redlined us to get these three wins, so he oh, must have, he must have done that thinking. I'll roll the dice on the FA Cup. There will be a balance, but it's funny because our reserve team now is made up of quite a lot of first team players. So that's what I mean. That's, yeah, I think you'll see yeah. Mustafis. I think you'll see Williams. I think you'll see Pepe's. Yeah, I, I think you might see an Oba. Up. Yeah, you might see an Ober up top. Go get yeah. some. Go get some fucking goals and do some I, shit. I think. I think you rest our key men, which is <laughs> Martinelli, ESR, <laughs> and fucking Saka. Mm. And, and it's I, not bad. I thought it's not bad. The quite, players behind that. I thought it was quite telling that Martinelli was the one who got rested because I think Arteta now sees him as being the maybe like the spark, the, the piece of the puzzle the jewel. that's going to yeah. drive all those. I think he is the jewel in the yeah. crown at the moment. Big Steve was just saying down here, he reckons you're going to see Pepe, Nelson, Eddie, Elneny, Mustafi, Cedric. I'd say you're going to see Willie in there, Aubameyang in there. You're going to see the greatest keeper we've ever seen and Runison in there as well. Interesting. Um, I, I don't think we will feel that many second string players. I think there's more fringe players that we could play. Your Willians, your AMNs, players like that. Uh, and I would hope we wouldn't go with your your Cedrics and so forth. Right yeah, and, yeah. K- K- KT, they should just say to KT, go to the Bahamas, champion. Go take two weeks off. Come back. Give them the fucking captain's armband. Come back and do it. All right, guys. Um, end of a crazy... Christmas period. I hope you all drank lots of piss, put drugs in your butthole, did whatever fucking makes you feel happy over Christmas, New Year's, uh, drank lots of fucking beers and spent time with your families. And um, thank you so much for listening to us over the course of 2020. The Ask Bros channel has grown astronomically this year. It's almost tripled in size. It took us two years to get it to how big it was at the start of this year. And then it's grown three times that much. Such a wonderful uh, um, cohort of regular listeners who come and meet us in the chat. Uh, we love you all. We think you're all filthy, stinking, degenerate cunts just like us. And uh, we hope that in 2021, you're going to continue to drink beers and swear at Arsenal with us. And from all of us at the Ars Bros, from me, from Toby, from Manny, from Scunny, uh, from Ryan, um, much love. Happy New Year. And uh, we will see you in a much better 2020 for all of you. And the Arsenal. Good night, you unit. Ah, fuck you. Fuck you, Toby. You're a piece of dirty shit.